welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So I'm, uh, I'm fresh off a plane from San Diego. It was 72 and sunny. We were there yesterday. That was really nice. Uh, Team World Vision, who we have run with over the last six years, I think. Uh, yeah, 2013. Mar- the marathon, Twin Cities Marathon, for clean water projects in uh, other parts of the world. World Vision invited a whole bunch of pastors who participate in uh, their programs and initiatives, and they invite us out there and fly us out and put us up in a hotel and tell us more about some of the things they're doing. So that's where I was with a good friend, Steve Ween. Some of you have met. Steve's a covenant pastor over in St. Louis Park, and one of my best friends in the covenant, a guy named Scott Austin. Uh, Scott and I met each other in the back row of covenant orientation about eight years ago or so, and uh, Scott has become one of, if not my best friend in ministry, and uh, that is a gift, has been a gift to me, and so for a very long time, I have thought, man, I would so love it if you all could meet my friend Scott, and if he could come to Awaken and preach, and so we were both in San Diego together, and I was like, hey, come through Minnesota on the way home, and then you can be at Awaken, and we worked it out, so my good friend Scott is here. I'll just say a couple things about Scott before, I, uh, before he comes up. The first of which is, uh, I, I say a lot of things, and then, or I take a lot of words to say a few things. Scott takes a few words to say a lot. Um, much like my wife, uh, which is one of the reasons why I appreciate him. He's one of the most articulate and thoughtful um, people that I know, and he makes me a better pastor. Uh, he invites me to live into some of the things that uh, come so naturally to him that I work hard at. And uh, I'm just so grateful for his voice and his presence in my life, and so I'm super excited for you all to hear from my friend Scott Austin. So would you please welcome him to Awaken. I don't know who that person is that he's describing, but I sure would like to meet him. (laughs) Hello, Awaken community. It is really an absolute honor to be here with you today. Um, Your pastor, Pastor Micah, I come from Maine, I don't actually say pasta, but um, your pastor Micah, uh, I would just, you know, echo a lot of the things he just said about me. He's become one of my closest friends uh, since we met in 2011, and... um, well, there's a million things I could say about that, but I guess I'll just say that there have been some hard times during those years. There's been some challenges that we've faced, that I have faced, and I am sure glad that I've had Micah as a friend uh, to help me get through those times. Um, <clears throat> and really, ever since um, I met Micah and first started to hear about Awaken Community, I have thought that Awaken here in St. Paul, an artisan church in Rochester, New York, which is the church that I am privileged to pastor, are kindred spirits. Just hearing him describe what your community is like sounded so familiar to me. Um, And it's really fun to know that there's uh, a church out there somewhere that's kind of like us. And um, even before I had ever visited Awaken, and this is my first time with you here today, I've been telling my people at Artisan, listen, there is another church out there that is weird in the same ways that we are weird. <laughs> um, and it's, you know how it is when you're, when you're kind of an oddball. Not that you are, but I mean, maybe a little bit. 
it's nice to know anyway, I guess is what I'm saying, that there are others out there who can kind of like be in it with you in the same ways that you're in it. Um, and by the way, your city and my city have a baseball connection. Are any of you aware of this? The Rochester Red Wings are the minor league affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, yeah, I mean, and if I knew anything about the team, I would tell you who the good players are. So you could look forward to having them come to your city, but I don't know. Um, if you're really interested, I'll call my son. He'll tell me. Anyway, I am very honored to be here with you today. And I'm even more excited that I get to preach uh, a message from one of my favorite books of the Bible, which is the book of Galatians, Paul's epistle to the Galatians. One of the reasons that this is a, a book that's a favor of mine is that it has a couple of verses that have been very important to me in my own life and in my own ministry over the past several years. Um, and so even though I'm preaching from Galatians 1, I just want to tell you what those verses are up front because they're kind of always in the back of my mind. So if you were to um, flip over to the nearer to the end of the book, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, where Paul says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As I read those aloud, I see some, some people nodding, and I know you, are, you are like me, grew up in the church. <laughs> and you might have the fruit of the Spirit memorized. You might even know the song. Do you want to sing the song together? We're not going to sing that song. <laughs> but these two verses, and it's really actually just a verse and a half, have been really important to me. Uh, I have some history with them. In fact, let me tell you a little story about my history with these verses that might tell you a little bit more about me. Um, a few years ago, I found myself struggling with a really uh, important ministry decision. Now, without going into all the details about it was uh, what it was, I'll just tell you that it, it was related to my relationship with someone who had some authority over me, and I was trying to decide something um, as I navigated that relationship. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you are a snap decision type of person, but I am not. I agonize over decisions. And a decision like this that's so relationally fraught, I, I was stuck on it. I could agonize over something like that for days or weeks or maybe even months um, if given the opportunity. So I was sharing this with uh, my spiritual director, somebody who I see once every four to six weeks, who helps me kind of notice God's work in my life um, and in the world around me and see how I might be part of, uh, of that work. Um, my spiritual director is a Jesuit nun, and she taught me a method of discernment from her tradition, something that St. Ignatius had developed. And I found it really helpful, and it evolves the fruit of the Spirit. The basic idea is um, that when you are faced with a decision, let's say you have two choices, option A and option B, what you would do is you would, for a period of time, maybe a day or two, go about your life as if you had already decided in favor of option A. And while you do that, you try to take note of the fruit of the Spirit. Am I seeing more or less love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? And then, after that, you spend a day or two imagining that you had already decided, but you decided for option B. Now, especially compared to that first experience, do you see more 
or do you see less of the fruit of the Spirit emerging in your life? And what that can indicate for you is that the, the Spirit of God is leading you in one of those directions or the other. The idea being that those particular traits are the outward evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And so if you're noticing them on the increase, that's a good thing. And if you're noticing them on the de decrease, that's a sign that something is, is wrong, out of alignment. In other words, if you, if you see the fruit, you can be sure of the source. Bananas don't grow on rose bushes. If you see the fruit of the Spirit, you are seeing the work of the Holy Spirit. This, by the way, is how the early church decided to become a much more inclusive and open body than they probably intended to be at the beginning. Because they began to see evidence of the Holy Spirit in people who were not supposed to be part of the in-group. And when they were faced with that, they had enough religious humility, which is something we could use a lot more of in the world, then and now, to say, why should we stop the work of the Holy Spirit? In fact, um, Peter, a leader in the early church, said this way, surely no one can stand in, the, in their way of being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So anyway, I, I made this difficult decision that I was facing with the help of my spiritual director and with the help of these verses from the book of Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's our book today, and it's going to be your book for the next several weeks. And since that occasion, there's been a number of other ones where I have found that the fruit of the Spirit are a super helpful litmus test for me to identify whether or not something that's happening around me is the work of God. So I just need to tell you, even though I'm preaching on chapter 1 and really just the first few verses of chapter 1 today, I promise I'll get there eventually. 45 minutes, you said, right? Even though I'm preaching from chapter 1, I always will have it in my mind whenever I read anywhere in Galatians, I wonder how this is setting up for the part that I love so much toward the end of the book. Kind of like if you have a favorite movie and you have a favorite scene at the in the movie, sort maybe toward the end, you might re-watch the movie over and over again and look for ways that the director and the writer and the actors are setting, your, setting you up for that moment that you love so much. That's me with the book of Galatians whenever I read it. So um, I'm going to leave it up to you to be the judge of whether uh, Galatians 1 connects to, to Galatians 5. So let's just dive in and start looking at the passage. I'm going to read for you now Galatians 1, 1 through 5. It starts out this way. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> That's verses 1 through 5. Are you ever tempted to skip over parts of the Bible that are like this? Or is that just me? Right? So uh, it can be hard enough to find meaning from these ancient texts, even when they're very obviously like trying to give you meaning. But this part of the, of the book just seems like it maybe doesn't have that much to offer us. It, you find this a lot in the letters of Paul. At the beginning and at the end, there seems to be some religious small talk. <laughs> right? 
Now, uh, you can ask Micah, we've been to many conferences together. I am not a big fan of small talk. I am even less a fan of religious small talk. And when you go to a pastor's conference, there's a lot of religious small talk. So I spend a lot of time in the hotel room <laughs> or the hot tub. <clears throat> but here's the thing. I actually would encourage you not to skip over, not even to skim over these parts of the Bible because there often turns out to be something quite meaningful in them. So among other things, a passage like this, the first five verses of this book, can really set the tone for what's about to come. And you might be able to tell, even from these five verses, um, from this introduction, that this particular letter is going to contain some confrontation, or maybe even might get a little bit adversarial. Um, I, 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 don't, I asked this earlier, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, not being from Minnesota, the, the phrase Minnesota nice. But my understanding is that that's kind of like not necessarily always that nice. And Paul is being sort of um, uh, Mediterranean nice here, right? <laughs> He's saying something nice, and it's about to get real, okay? So here's what happens in verse 6. It instantly gets serious. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So this feels to me a little bit like when you get called into the office at school or at work, or maybe you get called to the kitchen table by a parent or a partner or a spouse. <laughs> and it starts out real good. We're so glad you're here. You're doing such a great job. But there's some stuff we need to talk about. <laughs> right? This is Paul. The gloves are coming off. There's some stuff we need to talk about. And you don't have to work too hard. You don't have to read between the lines very much to see that what has happened in these communities is that there has been a challenge to Paul's authority. When he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you, he's talking about himself. And then he says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. So what's happening here is that he's setting up what's going to be the meat of the book of Galatians. It's what Micah's going to preach on, I assume, over the next several weeks. So if we were to open the book of Galatians, we might be tempted to skip right to verse 6. Let's get started with where it actually gets started. But don't do that, because what would happen if you did that is that you would miss something that goes on in these early verses. Before Paul ever gets to the gloves-off moment, what he tries to do is establish himself and his viewpoint as authoritative in some way. And the way that he establishes his authority, I think, gives us some valuable material. It's right there in the skippable part of the book. Because what we can do is you and I can take that and use it as a way to measure up the authority of anyone who comes to us in these modern times with a new idea. Or, for that matter, anyone in these modern times who tries to call us back away from a new idea, right? Because most of the arguments in the church uh, seem to revolve around somebody thinking they're right and that the other person is wrong, right? And so this might be just the kind of thing that we need in the church today, a way to measure the authority of the many voices who potentially are throwing us into confusion and might even be trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. 
So why don't we take a look for just a minute at verses 1 and 2 and see what does, and I think importantly, what m does not constitute religious or spiritual authority. So it starts with how Paul identifies himself. He says, Paul, an apostle. And then a minute later, uh, he claims to speak for the whole body, saying, and the brothers and sisters with me. So he's thrown out a title there, and he has suggested that he is speaking with the voice on behalf of the larger Christian community. You know, of course, both of those things do matter. I sure hope that a title of authority within the church is a sign that someone has been vetted, someone has been determined to be a wise, faithful, loving leader. And I'm absolutely there for including the voices of the whole body and in so doing, to try to indicate that this, is, this idea that I'm bringing to you isn't just a, the crusade of one person, right? So those things do matter. Titles and the voice of the community actually do matter, but the problem is that both of them can be asserted by people who are, in fact, wrong. Sometimes the people who have the title do not have the right. Sometimes the people who claim to speak on behalf of the larger church do not have the right. Sometimes people with titles and people who speak on behalf of the whole church are not wise, loving, faithful leaders. Sometimes people with titles and people who claim to speak on behalf of the whole church actually might even be the very ones who are being hurtful and abusive to those who are in their care. And I would love to pray that that's not true for any of you in the room right now, but this is not my first day. And I know that in a, a congregation of this size, there are some of you who have had that experience, one or more of those experiences, with somebody who had a title, or somebody who had claimed to be speaking or acting on behalf of the whole church. So those two things alone are not enough to constitute a religious or spiritual authority. What constitutes the real authority in this opening little passage here is the part that Paul interrupts himself to say, and don't you love people who interrupt their own sentences? Did you notice that in between <laughs> saying I'm an apostle and saying I speak with the brothers and sisters of the whole family of God, he, he puts this other thing in there and says, I'm sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now that is where the authority actually lies. It's not in any human institution, but it's in the name of Jesus and in the power of his resurrection that Paul's authority is actually vested. Jesus is the final word on all matters. And you don't have to take my word from it. You don't have to listen to some guy from a minor league city a couple hundred miles east of here you don't even have to take Paul's word for it right here in Galatians chapter 1. This is not some random idea that he just drops in out of nowhere. The Christian scriptures are consistent in the idea that Jesus takes precedence over all other authorities. Let me give you just a few quick examples of what I'm talking about. Um, Hebrews 1.1, it's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. 
let me be clear, he's talking about the Bible. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son. Colossians 1. The son is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Even Jesus himself said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you can be sure of this, that any time you need to test a teacher or a teaching or a passage of scripture even, what you should do is hold it up in the light of Christ. Any person, any interpretation, any text, check them all against what Jesus says and what Jesus does, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the final word. Jesus is God's word made flesh. Jesus is what God has to say. And so if a teacher or an interpretation or a text is telling you something that is contrary to the way of Jesus, run. Or maybe stay and fight. I don't know. Mike and I are a little different on this kind of thing. <laughs> now, of course, this is going, this is, this is easier said than done, like anything that matters, right? It's going to require some work, and it's going to require some spiritual maturity on your part. You can't very well hold something up in the light of Jesus' teaching and life and ministry and death and resurrection unless you know that story backwards and forwards. So if, you, if that's new to you, I guess I should tell you, um, read the Gospels. And if you've read the Gospels, then what you should probably do is read the Gospels. And if you've read them twice, what I would tell you is read them again. Uh, the study of the Gospels, the study of the sacred scriptures ought to be the work of a lifetime. There is no end. There is only the way. But the other thing that I would encourage you to do when you're faced with a new teaching or teacher or challenge or something like that, and this one might, it might be um, more to the point of the book of Galatians and the passages that I'm talking about today, is, is this. Look for the evidence of the Holy Spirit and how do you find the evidence of the Holy Spirit? What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit? It's the fruit of the Spirit. We have the answer. It's coming uh, sometime in February. You'll get to Galatians chapter 5. But I spilled the beans early. I guess it was fruit, not beans. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm leaving tonight. You don't have to worry. <laughs> right there in the first two verses of the book of Galatians, Paul begins to establish the basis of the gospel and the basis for his authority, which is a message that is rooted in the very nature and being of the triune God. What Paul is asking, and Paul doesn't really ask, what he's insisting is that we hold up all the things that we hear, whether from him or from anyone else, in the light of who God is. And so I would encourage you, over the next several weeks, as you read the book of Galatians together and study it together, to do that. Hold up all of the things that you hear in the light of the ministry, the teachings, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and hold them up and look for evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
But it's not limited just to this one book of Scripture. It's not even just limited to the study of Scripture more generally. This is something that can and I believe should permeate your whole life, your very being. This is why I was so excited to preach from the book of Galatians, even though I'm getting chapter 1, not chapter 5. Because this for me has been so crucial and central to my understanding of who I am and who, what my ministry is and how I ought to lead my church and how I ought to live in the world. And so, as we transition in a minute to uh, a few moments of silent reflection, I want to give you a couple of questions that you might consider. And then I'd love to pray for you and with you. So here are some questions. Would you consider these? What new ideas are you being faced with right now that need to be tested for Jesus? The flip side of that one is what old ideas that you've held for a long time seem to be falling apart for you and you need to decide whether you're going to keep them or not? Those also need to be tested against Jesus. And my friends, please don't be afraid of that. If you are finding and following Jesus, you are always in the right place. So that's the first question. What new ideas or old ideas are you being faced with that need to be tested for Jesus? And then this one. What choices are you facing in your own life, maybe in your life as a church community together, that might benefit from some Ignatian discernment? In other words, what are the areas of your life that you should be looking around to find the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray together. Gracious God, it is such a blessing to be here in the presence of the church community that you are building up here in St. Paul. Thank you for the opportunity to be with these siblings in Christ. My prayer for them and for myself is that we would have the wisdom to see where you are working in the world. That we would be brave enough to hold up any new or old teachings in the light of your son Jesus. May we see more clearly Christ's light in our world. I pray for my friends here and for myself that we would be always looking for the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives and that we would trust that when we see it, we can know that we have found the source. Give us courage, give us wisdom, give us ever more of your grace and especially your love that we can make it known to those around us. We pray these things through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter, and we community. See you next time.